Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP7. This week on TWIP. What's up with live books? Plus, the slow devaluation of photography. Also, Canon introduces the 70D, and at the end of the show, an interview with Severin Matusek of IM.com. It's Wednesday, July 10th, 2013, and this is Twitter. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on this week's show to discuss some of the hot news pouring out of the photosphere are Miss Sarah France and Mr. Don Komarechka. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi. Hey, Frederick. All right. Uh, Don, I think you haven't been on... I think you have the honor of not having been on in the longest amount of time. So what, what, what have you been up to? Oh, doing a lot of workshops, uh, continuing to work on my Snowflake book, which Mm -hmm. is uh, taking up a lot of my time in the summer, editing images and doing page layouts and putting me to sleep with, uh, you know, the boring stuff there involved. Hey, I supported you on that. Where's my book, man? I want my book. It's coming out in October, and I'm still on track for October, and (laughs) I'm really excited for it. Um, But it's a a lot of work that's uh, sort of keeping me away from shooting too much. But I have taken the camera out and did a bit of infrared photography even today, so I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Interesting. When When you go out just to shoot... Are you? What are you shooting? Because whenever I think Don Kamarechka, I think the the microverse or the macroverse. Which which one? What do you do when you are out there? Well, a couple of members of the uh, the local photo club here uh, has photographed this old, uh, you know, beaten up truck sitting in a field somewhere, and I finally got the location of that truck. So I headed out, and that was my subject for the day. Typically, when I go out shooting, it's because I've got a destination in mind, not necessarily a subject. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I might go to say, okay, well, I know where I'm going to find a bunch of wildflowers, and then you know, I'll find something there, or maybe I'll go and shoot waterfalls, and I'll play around with lines and things in there. Uh, and so I, I kind of have an idea as to what gear to bring, and invariably I just bring it all anyways. But Oh, cool. Well, we're going to be talking about gear a little bit on this show, so welcome back to the show, man. Thank you so much. All right. Also on the show is Miss Sarah France. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. What have, what have you been up to? Shooting weddings, I assume, but beyond that, what's what's going on in the world of France? <laughs> yeah, we have a, be- a busy wedding season right now. Well, uh, we just got done shooting the cover shoot for Exquisite Weddings magazine. Look at you. Which was a, wow. Yeah, it was a fun like two-day excursion with, I don't even know if I can tell you what all was there. I think they Twittered a picture of the horse, so I guess I can say there were horses yeah. And <laughs> it was really fun. It was it was a whole new experience for me. I'd done a couple. I've done a few things with magazines before, but um, not that many. And I've definitely never done a two day wedding dress shoot that was um, exhausting and so amazing. So that was really uh, the highlight of my last couple weeks for sure. 
That when can we cool. see those pictures, Sarah? Um, well, the issue comes out in October, so that should be when the first cover comes out. They're doing two of two of the covers will be from the shoot we did, and then one cover they actually are doing as a photo contest. It's like you can submit your photos to have it on the cover, so that's really fun too. We're cool. going to submit for that too, just in case we could get all three covers. <laughs> so, Sarah, how does how does one go about getting a cover? Do they just like they know who Sarah France is, and they're like? We got to get Sarah France to shoot our cover. Does it take some proactivity on your side to sort of get in there and say, hey, I want to I shoot a cover? How, do, how does that process work? I mean, I'm sure there's a couple ways to go about it. In my case, um, they luckily came to me and they, they asked me to do, well, first of all, they asked me to do a smaller feature la- this last season. And so I shot actually, uh, it was kind of a girl's getaway kind of thing where they did a bachelor bachelorette party kind of beach party kind of feel Mm -hmm. um so we shot that up in in laguna and then when it came time they could they said you know we can't just give you a cover right away so (laughs) but the next time that came around they asked if i wanted to shoot the the cover and the wedding dress feature so there'll be probably 15 to 20 page spread in the magazine as well from the shoot wow Wow, know, what, what promotion crazy. that is. That's amazing. That's fantastic. I know. Just so much fun, too. I mean, I got to work with a stylist, and they had dresses flown in from New York and all over the place, and gorgeous models. And, I mean, Sarah, you need a reality amazing. show. You need, you need a reality <laughs> show. <laughs> like, I'm you not remember sure you want to see the reality show from that. <laughs> that needs to be your reality show. You need to do that. It was really cool. that um, They had a really just huge gigantic white horse um where we were shooting which was uh just so majestic and beautiful so this is a real horse this wasn't a statue or anything yeah real a real live horse so it was really really fun i didn't i i think it was more work than i expected it to be to be honest um getting there just kind of we had 30 setups to do in two days Mm. and um, that's just in crazy, crazy, especially when you're in the element where you can't control really the lighting. So you kind of have to roll with whatever you have. So we had everything from, we, I had a wind machine and a generator oh, and, um, you know, huge lights and just a ton of production. This is sounding and like Burning Man or something. I, mean, I am so <laughs> envious, Sarah. You know, my, my last cover shot came from uh, just something I put together on my kitchen counter with a Pringles can as a light modifier. Uh, so when I see what you're doing to get your cover shots, I, I want to be you. I want to be in, in your shoes. Everybody or, or at least wants watch to be it on really? I'd rather be you shooting on my kitchen and, and getting a cover shot. I have to do so much more work to get it. <laughs> wow. But it's so much more fun. But yeah, it was fun. Oh, it was so much fun. The girls, all the girls were blasted to work with. We had one male model. He cheated on all the girls. It was very incestuous, but um, <laughs> that was really, really fun to see kind of how that whole thing comes about. I think I've seen so many covers and been like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Where'd that come from? How they do that? Like, you know, and then to shoot one is just a dream come true. It was, it was really a blast. Well, once that thing hits, we're definitely going to have to do a little special to talk about it and dive behind the scenes of Sarah France's uh, extended cover shoot with, uh, with Exquisite Weddings magazine. Yeah, that would be fun. Cool. All right, guys. So quick updates from me. Um, we announced the Viewbug 
landscape and nature contest winners. Um, there's a video up on thisweekinphoto.com of me announcing the winners and selecting them and all that stuff. And just a, re- a quick, re- quick recap, we had almost 9,000 entries into that contest, and the viewers voted over 70,000 times to pick the viewer's choice or the people's choice winner. And then in that video, I go ahead and pick the uh, the the my winner. So we had two winners of that contest. So based on the success of that one, we're launching our next photo contest, and it's called A Picture is Worth a thousand lyrics and the whole idea is I pick a song and the you guys go out and make a photo that that kind of evokes that song or whatever that song makes you think of or takes you back to you create a photo and submit it and then uh, we'll we'll pick the winner at the end of the month and roll on from there so there's a in that video with me announcing the view bug or the landscape contest winners there's also a little segment in there of me sort of describing what this next contest is and why I put it together and all that stuff. So definitely check that out. All right, folks, before we continue and jump into the news, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And for our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. And one audiobook to consider is one that I mentioned as my pick of the week in this very episode. It's called Manage Your Day to Day by Jocelyn K. Glee and Scott Belsky. Um, the foreword is by Scott Belsky. It's amazing. This book is uh, the subtext of this book is called Build Your Routine, Find Your Focus, and Sharpen Your Creative Mind. So, in essence, this book goes into how to get a hold on all these things that you have going on in your day-to-day life, the deluge of emails, the meetings, your never-ending and growing to-do list. How do you manage it all and put it on a day-to-day routine so that you can continually get things done? It's a great audiobook. It's narrated awesomely. It's not hard to listen to, and they speak in today's vernacular. So they talk about things that face you every day, like, are you going to tweet all day? Are you going to update on Facebook? Are you going to do email in the morning before you go to work? All this stuff is uh, covered in Manager Day-to-Day. Definitely check it out. If you'd like to get this book or any other free audiobook of your choice, just head over to audiblepodcast.com slash whip. All right, guys, let's jump into this week's news. Uh, The first thing up is this is like hot news. So yesterday I saw this email or not an email, um, this posting on Vincent LaFerre's blog. And Vincent is a friend of This Week in Photo. I've interviewed him a couple times. And, you know, he's he his name is synonymous with just sort of high end and and videography and director and you know all this stuff so he was a pioneer in using dslrs for video and and presenting yourself online and he's been a proponent uh, and i would assume a customer of live books they're a uh, popular photography website solution so basically they provide these high-end looking portfolios for photographers online and they're not they're generally not cheap so 
you go there, you can put your portfolio together, send people to your site, and they can see your work and hire you, etc. So um, apparently, Vincent, one of their top customers, you know, celebrity customer, was not getting any love from live books. They were not responsive. None of the people that he knew were responding or, or even worked there anymore. So he wrote this blog post basically saying, you know, what's going on, <laughs> live books. And then later that, later that night, Live books Tuesday night actually. Live books send out an email to basically to all the subscribers saying that um, they'd been acquired by a company called Wedding Wire. So I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, first of all, from the standpoint of just l- this sort of information flow from these type of companies, when there's something that is cr- as critical to a photographer as your portfolio, you know is. What what do you make of this, Sarah? I want to throw it to you first because you are you are in the wedding uh, vertical or the wedding industry. I know I'm pretty sure you don't have a live book site, but what do you, what do you think of this overall story? Um, well, I mean, it's a little. It would make me a little nervous if I had a live book site for sure. And I I know there are several um, wedding photographers who have live book sites, so you know. I doubt that the sites are going to like go down or anything like that. There's there's times when photographers leave their sites kind of running and consistently the same for months. So does it pose like an immediate threat? Probably not. But um, definitely I know the people who are using live books are probably a little bit nervous. Like what's going to change, especially with no communication. That's just really where it comes from is – Um, when you don't have communication from a company, you get really nervous, but wedding wire is big company. So, um, or at least they appear to be a big company. Their site is, I've never heard, uh, maybe I'm remiss, but I've never heard of wedding wire. Am I like, am I just (laughs) weird? What? Well, you're not as last I checked, you weren't shooting weddings, but you know, wedding photographers are just aware of it because it's used more by brides and but it's also used by vendors to get reviews from brides connect with other vendors all that kind of stuff so um it it is a really big site in in the industry overall so it's not like being taken over by a small fry in any you know in any sense of, of the word but i think that I think I would still be a little bit nervous just because it, with any sort of um, company being taken over by another company or sold, there's just change that comes about. So mm-hmm. it could be positive change. It could be amazing for them. And it could be, you know, it could be something that they don't like. So if I were a client of Live Books, I think I would just be looking at other sites and making sure that I knew where I wanted to go if something changed that that I wasn't happy with. Because I am I uh, am really a huge proponent and an example of when a site isn't good, what it can do to your business, and when you change it and make it better, what it can do as well. So, um, I think that those are the your website presence is so important that you should always be consistently looking at what you're doing on the web and if it's the best thing that's available. It's the your website is the first touch point that people get, you know, unless they've met you in person and then go check out your website. Generally. The world sees you through your online presence first. Don, what about you? So you're, you've seen the story. I know you have an opinion on this. Uh, but also, along with your, your opinion, I want to know what you think of, like, how, are, how is Don Komarechka showcasing your body of work? You know, what, what do you choose to as your, your first impression online presence? 
Well, I see that this is a bit of a, a tricky point for me because you, you take a look at uh, what Livebooks has gone through, and, and they were silent for about a month or so. And having no communication with your clients, even higher profile clients like Vincent, um, it, it really it puts them on shaky ground, especially moving forward. And I'm not sure what the terms of their uh, acquisition were. Maybe they were on shaky grounds to begin with, and uh, Wedding Wire scooped them up from uh, from completely failing. Um, none of that's uh, public, and I don't know if it necessarily will be, but it just it seems odd. I've seen lots of transitions, that, and there's lots of fanfare, and, and, and everything goes smoothly, and this didn't. Um, but it, it just goes to show you that if you put your photos online and you build a portfolio with somebody, even a big person, you never know where they're going to be in a year or five years or 10 years. And having an alternative plan uh, can sometimes be a good idea. Uh, I know that uh, Squarespace is one of the sponsors on this podcast, and I've seriously looked at using them for my website uh, because it's just so much more convenient than what I'm using now. Uh, I'm, I'm using WordPress uh, and, and building everything through that, but I have to have all my own hosting and uh and you know it's i have to do all my own coding so i got to pull out my hair and get frustrated with everything mm -hmm. as it comes up and mm -hmm. and that's a bit of a nightmare especially when something breaks uh, and i have to fix it say if your website gets a virus or, or what have you you're on your own but yeah. if you're using one of these services then they take care of everything for you you know you, it's it's easy breezy and you get really good results um but what yeah, happened? I'll tell to you. You know, with with me, so this week in photo is hosted is is self hosted using WordPress. dot org um, for some very specific reasons, and the and I'll tell you, you know, one of the the a huge negative of self hosting is just like you said, Don. It's the it's the maintenance and just the pulling out your hairedness. That's I'm going to coin that phrase. <laughs> pulling out your hairedness of all the little details that go along with make, making sure that the website stays up. For example, uh, migrating domains. So I've had domains on GoDaddy and Network Solutions and all that stuff. So I'm in the process as we speak of consolidating all the, do the domains onto Hover, right? So Hover.com, all the domains go there. So um, and I'll tell you, just dealing with when you like, like go to my hosts, customers, customer support and sort of talk to them about, OK, I'm doing this A, B and C. The response is invariably in geek speak. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a, <laughs> not a system administrator. Talk to me like a human. I just want to move this over there. How do I do that? You know, but with a self with a with a, a cloud based solution or a hosted solution, they take care of all that stuff, you know, so there's there's something to be said for that. So, so Don, would you ever use a service like Livebooks or some other ones that we put in the notes there, like Photo Shelter um, and their new Beam service? There's a Photofolio. There's Adobe's Behance ProSite. You know, there's a lot of solutions out there now. Would you would you ever consider using, say, a Livebooks? I, I would, but it, it's becoming less and less a consideration as time goes on because uh, you look at uh, Photo Shelter that's just come out with their Beam and yeah. Behance, the two that you mentioned, in addition to a bunch of other ones out there. But those two specifically came out very recently. Some of them are in beta or they've just rolled out within the last couple of months. The competition is really heating up for these companies. Mm -hmm. And it's taking a market and splitting it up so many ways. I'm just worried that uh, some of them might start to flounder if uh, they don't keep their... Uh, subscriptions where they need them to be. And and so I'm looking at these companies and thinking, okay, well, which one is most likely to succeed and run with them? Yeah. Uh, and, and that would be the only thing that I could consider. Now, well, I, I, I would say, I mean, if you're looking at it through that lens, no pun intended, 
um, <laughs> Adobe, right? Adobe is the bigger billion-dollar company that you would think would continue on with Behance. But then again, Behance is a, was acquired by Adobe, and they could very well say, hey, they're not making us enough money. Let's cut that division. <laughs> you know? so, they, they could. Yeah. And, and so that's scary. And, and when you have big companies like Adobe, if Behance survives for a year or two, uh, then it's probably going to stick around. But uh, you know, Google and Adobe and, and even Apple have, have tried to, to roll out certain services that didn't get a lot of fanfare, and they just quietly disappear. So, uh, so when you so, – oh, go ahead, Don. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, it, w- when I look at this kind of a service, even the big guys can falter. So th- there's really it, it's hard to pin down a, a, a safe haven. So when you, Sarah, when you when you look at this stuff, so there, here's a question that I think is on a on the top of a lot of photographers' minds. There's just there's a lot of like Don said. There's a lot of choice out there. There's you know, like we said, there's live books, of course, who's going through whatever. Who knows? You know, this acquisition at the very least right now. There's mm-hmm. Photo Shelter and Beam. There's a Photofolio. There's Behance. And then on top of that, we've got Zenfolio and Smug Mug, and you know, we can even throw Flickr in there. And then the list just goes on and on and on. How do you make the decision? I mean, is it okay? I'm going to choose a a cloud based. Uh, commerce site like Zenfolio and I'm going to use them and sell through them or SmugMug and I'm going to do all my sales through that site but my real clients I'm going to send to my gorgeous looking you know Behance site or what's the flow What what do you think well I think it depends on where it is that your clients are what who you're trying to appeal to and and really appealing to that market um my clients are are wedding clients. So I need a site that's simple and beautiful and really featured on the images, uh, but also is, is very easy and appealing to, to women. And those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. Um, but I also know that my advantage maybe, or, um, the side of me that I like to bring out is that I'm a little bit more techie and, um, and I have some of those cool techie things. So I like to incorporate little things like that in my web presence and in my, in, in how I deal with my clients. So, and that all to say that every person's a little bit different on what their target is and who it is that they're looking to appeal to and what those clients are looking for. So if you really tap into first what your clients are looking for in the advantages and stuff that they that they want through the web and then look for a site that will create those. So everybody's going to be a little bit different. Maybe you are selling prints online. Then if that is really what you're looking to do, then you want more of an e-commerce site, something that's easy to purchase from, something um, that just makes it easy to find certain photos, things like that. But if you're looking to really just impress, you're going to be looking for a site that gives you customization, something um, with big images. So everybody is a little bit different, and that's why there's such a huge variety variety of sites and services out there because they all kind of appeal to a little bit different market. Yeah, it depends on depends on where you're coming from. It's very subjective. Where where are your where's everything that you have hosted? Is it, you know, what what sites are you are you a fan of? So, we use a couple different sites. We use um Showit. Um Showit is what we use for our client sites. So, all of our clients get their own custom custom site that is theirs. And we love the integration that they have with the service that we talk, we've talked about a couple times, Pass. So um, that really allows us to connect to Pass really easily and simply and beautifully. And then uh, for my website, we, we really 
needed to put up something quick. Um, I've talked about this a couple of times, but we had an issue with my website where it was taking people's inquiries and sending them nowhere. Mm. And I had to fix it in about uh, two hours, you know, <laughs> as quickly <laughs> as possible. So um, I went to a site called Creative Motion Design. Um, and honestly, I got an email from them and I was like, oh, pretty shiny, sparkly. Let's look at that mm. and easy. So they're a template site and I've actually really loved um, what they were. They're really good at what they do. It's custom in the way that you get to pick a template. I mean, it's very standard of what you've seen of template sites. Um, but it's just a good, clean design. So we just needed something simple and clean and something we could put up really, really quickly. And they're really affordable. Um, we do our own hosting. It's creative motion design. I can put it in the notes. Yeah. Put put it in the notes. Creative motion design. Interesting. Creative motion design. Um, so they're great for little, for template sites, that kind of thing. But so with show it, I know show show it's 39 bucks a month, right? How much is creative motion design? Creative motion design is a one-time fee. Um, I think it was when I got it somewhere around $300 and, um, we do our own hosting. So they have hosting See, options that's, that's, themselves. That's what gets me right there. Is it, maybe it's the WordPress in my head. So Mer- WordPress user looks at that and says, 300 bucks. How many premium WordPress themes could I buy for 300 bucks and throw them on <laughs> a WordPress installation? Why? So where where's the plus with them? Well, Are they supporting or they're doing something else for you? First of all, I think there are a lot of template sites, but the creative motion design comes with its own version of the iPad and iPhone templates automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just, you know, customize each of those as well. And they look beautiful and are custom to the size of the iPhone and iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And also just the layout and design and the back end. Um, you know, I love WordPress too. I have, I have a WordPress blog, but it took a lot longer for me to kind of get my WordPress blog really customized and perfect in the way that I wanted it. Um, it just, it, you have to be a little bit more of a geek to like really, um, dive into WordPress in my opinion. So maybe that's why, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that is why you like it. But that's also why the, you know, general public goes, ah, what the? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a weird photographer, marketer, geek in there that I like to get in there. But then I hate I hate when things go wrong and I can't figure them out because there's like, you know, I'm sure both of you guys can can relate when there's just something beyond your reach of understanding that you, you can't get to like my site's down. And I don't know exactly why it's down. So I have to, you know, spend the day going through support forums and and online chats and all this to figure it out when someone with geek superpowers could say, oh, yeah, your DNS is wrong, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and it's finished. Exactly. So, I've been there, Frederick. I, I know your pain. Yes. I, <laughs> can you see how close to the surface that pain is? <laughs> I've just been doing that. that all weekend. My site went down. So frederickvan.com and mediabytes.com went down just boom you know and i I hate it because they don't tell you i'm with i'm with hostgator um that's my host for this week in photo as well and i you you don't know when the sites go down and hostgator and i've asked them this i'm like when the sites go down is there kind of any way that you could just let me know (laughs) know, so that maybe i can message my users or fix whatever went wrong 
And this time, uh, this week in photo didn't go down. It's on a VPN, but uh, Media Bytes and Frederick Van both went down because uh, they're on a separate VPN, and that site or that server crashed, and they didn't know. You know, it just crashed. So I, I get in their online chat. I'm like. Yeah, you don't want to be angry and, and this crazy customer. So I'm like, yeah, by the way, my sites are down. I'm wondering, could you like help me troubleshoot to find out what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, your 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 server crashed. I'm like, and we're, we're going to reboot it for you. I'm like, if I hadn't, if I hadn't contacted you, my server just would have been down indefinitely, you know. So anyway, I'm ranting to the clerk, to the to the to the converted. Um, we hadn't noticed. <laughs> Yes, I mean, can you tell how upset I was about that? So I, I was I upset. I can, I can. I had to, I had to have a glass of wine anyway. Um, <laughs> but just, just to let the listeners know, we've been talking about Adobe and their Creative Cloud thing, both positive and negatives of, about that for the last couple of weeks. One of the positives, I guess, is if you have a Creative Cloud paid membership, it comes with the pro features of their Behance service, including their Pro Site which is, I'm reading from their site um, directly, it says, a fully customizable professional portfolio with your own unique URL and with Creative Cloud integration, keeping your portfolio up to date simply becomes part of your usual workflow. And I would tack onto that and increases the tensile strength of the Creative Cloud handcuffs on you <laughs> because if you stop paying, not only do you lose connection to your software, but your site, your portfolio goes down, I'm sure. So you yeah. cease to exist, yeah. You cease to exist. Not only can you not create any cool stuff, you can't show it to anybody because you didn't you didn't ante up your your fifty bucks a month or whatever you're paying. So I don't know. Did you read that into that, Don? I mean is it am I yeah, am I well, just being paranoid? A little bit of both. I, I think <laughs> I'm in a paranoid <laughs> mood. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying, Frederick. Now that you mention it, uh, that 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 uh, fear is is now in me as well. That if I were to switch to another service, or if Adobe decides to change their model down the road, say if they decide to unbundle Behance, and then it's like, okay, well, you you've had Behance for a year, great, but uh, now if you want to keep using it, we're going to charge you ten dollars more, mm -hmm. and then they get you for even more. I mean, they they have. Uh, they, when they get you, they really get you, and yeah. uh, it, maybe it's not all that bad because if uh, if you can register, I think it's eleven dollars per month if you just want Behance. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you want to cancel your uh, Creative Cloud membership, you can still get this one service uh, on its own, I suppose. Hopefully they'll they'll let you do that. Um, but it's it's scary, you know. Uh, but useful. I mean, I haven't used the the workflow part of this to see how it integrates with the Creative Cloud because if it makes it a lot easier for me to edit the picture and have it on my website just as another couple of clicks along the way, mm -hmm. then that's going to save me a lot of time. And oftentimes I just, I don't update my website because it's another entirely different process that I never get to. Yeah. So you're, you're using Behance right now? I'm not, no, but I, it's one of those things that I would consider if yeah. it's going to simplify things for me. Yeah. I'm going to, I've been, I've been kind of diving in and looking at it and kind of trying to understand what the value add is in it. And it, and again, a couple of days of sort of looking at it, what I've called so far is it's awesome. It's a community, though, and it's a, like a it's a social network almost for creatives where you can almost show your works in progress as you're working on things. And if you want to expose that. And I, when I was looking at that. I'm like, I want to show people stuff I'm working on. <laughs> I want to show them the finished result. I don't I don't know that I want feedback from people as I'm working on something that would get annoying. Yeah, but, I, I agree. Know. 
know. I know I'm being negative. You're, Sarah's like I shaking her head, you right? Too. You're like, I'm, I'm being negative Frederick today, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's fun, though. I mean, you know, my per- my personal opinion on all this is it's great because there's so many choices out there for people to just... You know, you could spend a couple of weeks going through live book pricing, photo shelter, beam pricing, you know, a photo folio, all these guys, Behance, and sort of figuring out, like Sarah said, what's what's the perfect thing for you, and then jump on and ride. But just beware of, you know, subscription fees and all that stuff, and you don't want to get all your eggs invested in one service, and then, you know, something happens, and they go away, or they get acquired, or something like that, so... Who knows? So I'm trying to get, by the way, um, someone from LiveBooks to come on and talk about the LiveBooks issue. I don't even know if it's an issue. It may just just be as simple as, you know, they were told not to communicate until the acquisition was done. So they didn't. And now they're back online and communicative because, you know, the parent company has lifted the veil. So I don't know. Or maybe it was something deeper. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it um, and get someone on the show to part the curtains as much as they can. So anyway, all right. So story number two, guys, um, and it's about photographers giving it away for free. So uh, let me read the the blurb that we have in the notes here. It says, um, the news for photographers wanting to earn a living with their cameras has been pretty doom and gloom lately with recent stories of from the Chicago Times or about the Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times laying off its photographers in the AP or Associated Press teaming up with a site focused on crowdsourced news video. What does the future look like for photographers wanting to make money from their photographs? And that was written um, uh, by our show notes writer, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce, for putting this stuff together. This is this is really interesting, and I have some definite opinions on this. And I know you both do, because I'm sure you both have been asked to shoot for free. Sarah... Um, when someone comes to you and says, I, they probably do it less now than before, but when they come to you and say, Hey, Sarah, you know what? Um, can you do this thing for free? Uh, you know, you're going to get some great exposure out of it. You know, what, <laughs> what, what's your response? Mm, that's such a complicated question. I think, um, it really depends on what it is these days. Uh, we have limited resources in that I only have so much energy, um, (laughs) for life, for everything. So I think that, uh, for me, it, it, it is different now than it probably used to be. Um, and it just depends on what it is and how much it's really going to bring us exposure wise. Uh, for instance, I did the cover shoot of a magazine for free, but so essentially I worked for free, but they're giving me, you know, ad space and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I think that there are things that are totally worth doing for trade. But you you weren't really working for free because they gave you ad space. And you could look at their rate sheet and see that ad space generally cost about X dollars. So they were paying you. And then that that advertising will lead to more customers, which will pay your full fee and you'll get paid, just not from a check from them. But what about, Sarah, if it's you know, um, it's just hypothetically, this is a, you know, someone comes to you, it's a friend of yours, and they say, hey, Sarah, I'm getting married. So what about me? It's me, Sarah, and I come to you, and I say, hey, Sarah, you know what, I'm, my girlfriend and I are getting married, and I would love it if you would shoot it. I can't pay you, but uh, can you come do it, maybe as a wedding gift to us? What would you say? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, of course there are a few of those, um, a year and, um, it, it just depends. It's kind of like where your heart leads you. I definitely feel like there are a couple things that I am willing to do for free. I want to bless my family and do things for free for them, that sort of thing. But when it comes down to it at this point, um, we don't offer services for you know, at, at discounted rates, we don't offer services for, for free. There are certain people that I will, you know, gift them things. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are gifts that come from me. They come as decisions from me at this point. But to the topic of, you know, of photographers giving it away for free, there are definitely points in my career where I gave things away for free and it made sense. So um, for I encourage my my um, principal photographer who now works works for me um, to go out and shoot things that were build her portfolio for free. So, but there are things that she determines that she wants to do as opposed to um, people coming to her maybe and asking for things, which typically are things that you don't necessarily want to do. Not always, obviously, right? but um, that is really what it comes down to. Do you want this for your portfolio? Is it something that's going to help you build your business and book business in the future? Um, and is it worth your time? So a lot of times the time and effort that's going to go into something doesn't end up matching what you're going to get in the end. And I think a lot of times when people are asking for something for free nowadays, at least they're getting the point that, they have to have something to give as well. Yeah. So, so Don, piggybacking on that, could could a way to kind of give something away for free, like Sarah says, friends, friends and family, and you want to, you want to, of course, hook them up, but you don't want to have your work devalued at the same time, which has been my experience. When you do things for free for friends and family, not always, but sometimes they they devalue it. You know, they think, oh yeah, this is what he does all the time. You know, it's not not you know don't need to pay anything for that. But could you, could you circumvent that by saying that, Hey, normally my rate is $7,500 to shoot a wedding. I'm just pulling a number out of the air. Um, $7,500 to shoot your wedding. You get an album, blah, blah, blah. But for you, because you're friends and family, I'm going to discount that down by 50%, which still you make a profit on it, but you know, you're not doing it for free and still they feel like they're getting something of value because you're discounting your normal or your your regularly high priced uh, service. What do you think, Don? Is that a way to go, or does that not make any sense? Well, I mean, it's a difficult question for me to answer. Uh, for one, I, I don't shoot weddings, uh, and typically I don't photograph people. Um, but if I were, I, it would be an all or nothing thing for me. I would say, okay, uh, I'll I'll do it for free. Like if it's uh, a close family member or something like that, I would absolutely not mind. Uh, you know, supporting them, you know, make that my wedding gift to them if I would be inviting to uh, invited to the wedding anyhow, you know. Um, but that's my choice. And I, I've donated artwork to charity auctions. And I've uh, done some photography for some local nonprofit organizations. Uh, just pro bono, I'm just trying to support these groups and uh, to be a part of the community. And, and I want to support the organizations that I feel uh, that I, I could seriously help but and philanthropy is different than than it, someone it just out of the blue asking you to do free work right it certainly you're is still, and, and you're that, still there's still some i mean even if you're getting paid in karma there's you still there's some sort of <laughs> commerce true. that's happening there rather than just hey just do this for free 
That's exactly it. And and so when somebody were to come to me, and it, this has happened before, and it really it bothers me. I'll give you one example. Um, this one organization had approached me. They wanted to use uh, one of my photographs on a uh, like a little, uh, almost like a, a postcard that they were going to mail out to uh, you know drum up business for themselves or what have you. And they wanted to use one of my photos on the front and on the back. They liked it so much. Uh, they they said in their email, you know, they looked over the entire internet uh, if that's possible. And and they found this image was it worked better than anything else. And they did a mock up of this postcard, the front and the back, and they sent me the PDF. And at the end of it, they said, well, uh, w- would you allow us to use this and please respond within two days because we'd like to send it to the printer. And and nowhere in there do they mention uh, any budget. So I send them an email <laughs> back uh, saying, all right, well, uh, this is how much uh, it would cost. For, uh, for that, and uh, depending on your print run, you can modify the number or what have you. And uh, they said, oh, well, we don't have a budget. We just want to use it for free. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the printer is the, – the, the act of printing it is going to cost you money. The people putting this together is going to cost you money. You are probably getting paid. <laughs> why, why is the photographer the only part of this equation that's getting shafted? Mm-hmm. And – and so I, I politely uh, pointed them to a few texts online. I've got a few links uh, to write-ups, more more or less rants, uh, from other photographers on this very topic. Oh, throw uh, those one, links in the show notes if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. There was one from uh, Tony Sleep uh, that I, I referenced a couple of years ago. And I actually sent uh, his little rant to somebody who then decided to to pay me uh, the, the amount that I had uh, requested after reading that and feeling horribly guilty. <laughs> you with shamed themselves. them into paying you. <laughs> I shamed them into paying me. Uh, so that, I guess that worked, but I, I would much rather have somebody specifically ask and say, okay, well, we have this budget. We'd like to use this image. Uh, what's your going rate or just start a dialogue and, and allow a, a good business transaction to happen, yeah. whether it's shooting somebody's wedding or portraiture, uh, doing a commercial shoot, uh, or just licensing an image. Yeah. And the sad truth is a lot of times people like it, a lot of the stuff that I do is not commissioned work. So people are uh, looking to license an image that's already been created. And more often than not, they just decide to steal it for free. And there's not a lot that I can do uh, to to stop them from doing that. And it happens with a lot of my shots. Uh, it's just the nature of the Internet, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I still stand by my guns. I think a, a good a good way of doing it, especially if you're already charging is to just discount, you know, say, hey, you know, you want me to do your family photos? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Normally, I charge X dollars for that. Um, but because I love you guys, I'm going to hook you up. Um, I'm, I'm only going to charge you this much, you know, or, you know, even or even make it cost or something so that you're not eating it. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not walking away from or you're not walking into this thing at, at a loss. Uh, Sarah, so, Sarah, to, to end it, like, in in the wedding photography industry, we talked about this. I don't know. I want to say at least a year or so ago. It was the whole idea of the, you know, um, Uncle Bob. Sorry, Bob, Uncle Bob's out there, but no offense. But the Uncle Bob photographer that shows up with his expensive camera, um, and the bride chooses Uncle Bob to shoot their wedding over you. You know, who who is arguably going to be much more expensive than Uncle Bob, or even the. $500 Craigslist photographer that's just going to show up, shoot your wedding, and give you a memory stick with all the images on there. You know, how do you combat that piece of it? Is it all in the marketing? And and Sarah, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming this directly at you, but you have to answer this not from a Sarah France standpoint, because you already have 
an established brand and people come to you knowing that they have to pay in order to get Sarah France level photography. But if you mm-hmm. didn't have that brand, how would you compete against the person next door that says, hey, Sarah's charging you, you know, a grand to do that? I'll do it for two hundred dollars and I'll give you the uh, the images and you can do whatever you want with them. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think you answered it in your question even. And that's um, really Are you saying I was rambling? Is that what you're saying? Building, no, but building the brand um, in order to be able to, um, to charge because they know who you are. And that's really the difference in photography is, you know, I mean, we get more inquiries now um, that aren't necessarily set for finding us and knowing us just because it's the first time we've ever had an ad in a magazine. Um, so what we're seeing now is that we're getting a lot more inquiries that aren't necessarily targeted, Mm. uh, like they used to be. So what we are determining is that we're having to prove ourselves and, and our worth and also just filter out the people that just can't afford you and just are not looking in the right place. So I do try to do my best of having the images that we show online be the very first thing that says, oh, wait, this is this kind of photographer. Mm -hmm. So we try to show the value in our images, first of all. And then we also back that up with uh, with personality, with who who I am, who Jessica is as an associate shooter, um, who we are as a team and also who our clients say that we are. So I've, if you are a new photographer and trying to, trying to establish yourself in this way and, and distinguish yourself from the uncle Bob's, I think the best way to do it is to shoot the stuff that you really, really want to shoot. Um, even if you're shooting it for free. So um, do a, I've said this before, but go out and dream up the most amazing shoot you can think of and make it happen somehow and, um, and be able to photograph that and use that for your portfolio to show who you want, who you are as a photographer and what you want to photograph. And that'll bring you the most business that you could ever dream of instead of constantly just photographing what's given to you. And what is offered to you for your free services? Because unfortunately, you know, if you are on Craigslist or and offering your services out there um, for free to other to clients, you're going to get whatever is given to you, which gives you experience, but won't necessarily produce the images that you want to produce. So yeah, as a wedding a portfolio photographer, full of ugly people, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> It just made, you know, beautiful weddings make beautiful images. And if you can't get a full beautiful wedding, you still can get a, a bride in a location that you love. Maybe doing, you know, a trash the dress shoot or, or a love the dress shoot or whatever you want to call it. You can still control that environment in some ways and get, and create beautiful images that you want to show that will bring you the kind of clients that Uncle Bob can't. I think you know. I think what you say, if if listeners didn't catch that, I think that was like golden advice, Sarah. You said it on the show before, but I want to I want to make sure that we reiterate that. Just the idea of if you're a photographer. 
um, specifically in the wedding and portrait genre, I think. But if you're a photographer and you're trying to build your portfolio so that you can then coax clients in, a lot of a lot of advice that I hear is, hey, become a second shooter and blah, 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 you know, and build it up. But like Sarah says, you're shooting things that are being spoon fed to you and you have to make the most out of it and you don't really have control over it. Conversely, what you could do is go out and stage the whole thing so that it fits your style of shooting so that you can put your best foot forward as this is the kind of stuff that I do. Right. And then put that out and you'll be have a much better product. You'll be much more comfortable. It's not the pressure of messing up a real wedding. You're <laughs> you're showing you're putting your best foot forward. Right. 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 Sir. Yeah. And I I mean, even with what like what. Don shoots is amazing. I never, I never would have, I still could never even imagine shooting a snowflake. It's just not even possible. So he's like created something out of, out of just thin air. He has the- alien technology <laughs> up there in Canada. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so there are so many ways to really get your get your photography seen and just by shooting incredible stuff by really really focusing on doing something different and specific and unique and something that you love and are passionate about that is going to really produce for you um an incredible business love it and it's worth i was was gonna ask you uh, anything to add to that well, I, I, the only point that I wanted to add to that is if you find that wonderful, unique thing that you're passionate about to photograph, almost 100% of the time, at least at the beginning, nobody would pay you to do it. <laughs> so it's one of those things that you have to kind of take on as your own pet project, your own you know, labor of love uh, to start photographing that one thing that you are just impassioned for and, uh, and to build that up to something that you know, could garner some audience or some attention. Love it. Great advice, man. This is a valuable episode. Okay, um, geez, already 53 minutes in. Okay, let's move on to story number three. What episode of This Week in Photo would be complete without some geeking out about gear? (laughs) So this episode, uh, it's Canon. So Canon released a 70D or the 70D with something in it called dual pixel AF or autofocus technology. So basically, this is a new autofocus system that... It's supposedly, and I'm assuming it's true, vastly improved the speed of Canon's live view and video AF capabilities, which has been something that Canon has been dinged on. So basically, in a nutshell, there's we'll link to videos of how all this stuff works, but um, they have this new dual pixel technology that works by splitting each pixel um, on the new 20.2 megapixel sensor into foo, two photodiodes, not foo two photodiodes and then the sensor can use those dials together to analyze the data separately um, uh, to create faster autofocus so I'm I'm sort of trying to understand how this works and I watched a a video overview of how it works on Canon's Japanese site and on a couple of other sites I'm still trying to get my brain around it but I think I understand it Don you're the technical person that, you know, exponentially beyond where I am in terms of, you know, technology and geekiness. So when you look at this and you see this technology, what's the first thing that comes to your head? Is it like, okay, finally, they came up with dual pixel AF technology. Where has it been? Or is it (laughs) really? (laughs) 
Well, when I think of this, I, I when I see the way that it works, um, it's effectively face detection autofocus on the sensor mm-hmm. uh, instead of requiring that to happen through uh, the other electronic components in the digital SLR through the face detection autofocus. Okay, um, okay, C3PO, you need yeah, to speak so, in English. <laughs> well, okay, and, and I will. I'm going to distill this down. Okay. Uh, so when you have a uh, just a run-of-the-mill digital SLR and you're not using live view, the autofocus system that's really snappy and fast is called phase detection autofocus. And that's been missing when you switch to live view. Because as soon as you do that, all of the light is coming straight through to the sensor. And you're bypassing all the other magic inside the camera that's usually used for autofocus. Mm -hmm. And so the sensor has to use something called contrast detect autofocus, uh, which is nowhere near as fast. I think the 5D Mark II was the first camera that used it, and it was painfully slow. Uh, And they've gotten progressively better and better. But it's... It just it falls still far behind what the general useful system in a digital SLR was capable of, of doing. But now they're pretty much on par from what I've been seeing. The technology, uh, they basically take each sensor on uh, – or e- each uh, photodiode, a photosite I think is the technical term, and they, they split it in half. And they can collect light from both halves, uh, and so they, they're not losing any light by doing this. But they can analyze one half of a pixel different from the other half of the pixel. Uh, and they can use phase detection autofocus on that. And I'm not sure about the magic in there. They haven't uh, revealed all their secrets. Uh, but it looks really, really promising, especially not only just for the digital SLRs, but for the mirrorless market. I'm sure that when Canon comes out with their next uh, EOS M camera, it's going to feature this type of technology because it just makes a lot of sense. And and uh, and you know, it's it's I'm going to say it's an industry leading uh, advancement as opposed to all the bells and whistles that have been added on to cameras in recent past, you know, adding in Wi-Fi or uh, GPS or this and that just to, to make the camera appear better. But the pictures are still going to be the same. Mm-hmm. This, I think, will actually help you get better pictures. All right. So the, so you would say your your final word is this dual pixel AF technology represents the state of the art in autofocus technology and digital SLRs today. Is that fair? As long uh, it represents on par with what you'd normally get without using live view, yeah. Okay. Okay. So so basically you're not giving anything up when you switch to live view, it's going to focus at least as fast as it would um when you're looking through the viewfinder. I hope so. I mean, you I haven't so. had this camera in hand yet, so right, I right, can't right. judge from uh, from experience. But the way they're promoting it, the way it's looking, I'm excited for it. Well, there's some. We'll link to this uh, or link or embed this video that I saw on YouTube um, from. Jeez, who was it? I think it was Tech Radar that put it up there. But it it shows the speed. Like someone uh, did an autofocus on their hand right in front of the lens, and then pulled it back and focused on a faraway scene, and then did it back and forth, and it was pretty. I don't want to say instantaneous, like say my OMD, but it was fast. <laughs> it was pretty fast, you know. It was. Uh, I don't know what the normal speed is, but it it seemed a little sluggish, but it seemed fast, um, fast enough to say, you know, get a bride walking down the down the aisle. Sarah, when you look at this, the seven D, and you see, you saw the specs of it. You watched some of the videos, I'm sure. When you see this thing. Are you thinking, I got to have that 7D because of the faster dual pixel live view autofocusing? <laughs> or are you looking at it and saying, APS-C size sensor, not full frame? No way. I'm not getting oh. that. 
Yeah, it's not necessarily something I'm looking for for wedding photography, but I was really um, fascinated by the touch screen that they were using mm-hmm. and um, how it was. They were using it to like focus and and everything as well, which I I found kind of fascinating and just fun. That I think that's definitely where a lot of technology is going and. Um, we're still using dials, so. <laughs> so who is this I'm we like, you speak of? Bring the touch my my over, camera has a touch here. screen on it. <laughs> I want I want touch screen too, uh, and just the adjustable screen and everything on it. I mean, um, it's amazing for video. I think in in just the advancements and stuff that are happening, um, but I I don't know if they're who they're targeting in particular with the 70D. Do you feel like it's videographers or? I, I feel I like it's advanced amateurs that, that want a bit of everything. Uh, okay. I, I feel that v- videographers that are just jumping into it that have a limited budget would find the 70D a very, very useful camera. If they don't want to step up to something. Uh, the price point jumps up so much higher when you want to have better video quality. Um, and, and so it, yeah, it could be a target market. But also just anybody that likes to get out there and take pictures that doesn't, you know, they're not happy with the Rebel. Uh, they would have normally gone to a, a 40D or 50, 60, 70D, uh, and now that option is just getting even better for them. Let's talk mm. a little bit about Live View. Who, who's using Live View? Don, are, do you use Live View at all on your camera? Yeah, uh, on my uh, infrared modified camera, I have to use it exclusively, but that's a special case. On my regular uh, everyday shooting camera, um, I'll typically be shooting very low to the ground or uh, like if I'm doing landscape stuff or I'll be doing um, long exposure stuff. And, and sometimes I'll I'll turn live view on because it has it's, it's effectively when you're taking the picture, mirror lockup is active when you're shooting with live view because the mirror is already up yeah. um, so that it can limit camera shake. And there's some useful bits and pieces in there um it's not like if i could put a percentage on it i'd say maybe five percent of the time i'm using live view but if focusing was faster i, I could maybe kick that up to 10 or 15 percent yeah hmm. now, sarah yeah. what about you and when you're shooting weddings is live view a factor i use live view every once in a while to really dial in and see um how my focus is so uh, I'll pull up live view, zoom in, just double check my focus and make sure it's really tight when we're doing certain things. And I use it obviously when we're, if we're doing any video. So mm. those are kind of the two areas that I use it in. But, um, I, the adjustable screen and all that, you never know. I might, I might use it a little bit more if it, if our cameras had that as well. I don't know if that would actually add to things or if it would end up being frustrating, but I can't see why. I think I think it would be cool to have the adjustable, movable screen for us. I got to tell you, um, not to be a fanboy or anything, but mirrorless cameras are always by design in live view mode. So you, it is <laughs> it is a what you see is what you get. It's not like, hey, it's a feature. It has a live, faster focusing in live view. They are always shooting in live view. What you see through the lens is the data that's being represented on the sensor. So, yeah, isn't it going to be funny when we are looking back at this and thinking, like, how did we ever just take a shot and then wait to see it (laughs) to see what the exposure looked like? I hit that point earlier this month. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like that's archaic. How could anyone have done that in the past? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a it's an interesting time we live in. With all, I love all this change because it's uh, like I say on this weekend photo all the time. One of the cool things about being in the art of photography 
is it's this for me it's like a trifecta it's it's technology and geekiness it's art and when you're working with with don you're i guess you're not in this camp but when you're working with with sentient life forms it's also the psychology that goes along with it so well i do a lot of teaching too frederick yes i'm not just off on my own i'm talking to people once in a while yes no (laughs) no i'm not saying you're a a recluse but you choose not to shoot carbon-based life forms right (laughs) yours are yours are not uh they don't have heartbeats generally right well, absolutely they do. Uh, butterflies and spiders certainly have hearts, oh, yeah, uh, at least true. one of them. That's true. All yeah. right, all right. Okay. But they can't do a math problem, right? Not that I know of. <laughs> Maybe they can. Who knows? We haven't, you know, there's lots of stuff to learn in there. All right, cool. All right, guys, before we, uh, before we continue with the listener Q&A segment, I want to thank our sponsor or our other sponsor for this episode, and that's Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Since its platform upgrade last fall, Squarespace keeps rolling out new product features, integrations, and templates. To make sure you get the most from their recent innovations, Squarespace has a 24-7 support team that provides live chat during the week and extremely fast email support throughout the day and night. Plus, with plans starting as low as eight bucks a month for software and hosting, Squarespace is a real value. Squarespace is also exceptionally well-designed. They've got um, award-winning and or an award-winning design team who regularly add smart new features and new design templates. For example, they just added a new calendar feature called the Events Collection that allows you to share schedule updates. For example, store sale events or band tour dates. They've just released a beautiful new template called Momentum, which has cinematic full bleed image displays, perfect for photographers and designers who want to showcase their work. Now, Squarespace is fast and easy to use. Everything is just drag and drop. Their page builder tool called the Layout Engine enables you to customize pages in just seconds by adding blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content, and you can immediately preview the layout as you go. In just a few clicks, their style editor tool allows selection of fonts, colors, or layouts to customize templates and make them uniquely yours. It goes on and on. They've got um, this new commerce solution that they just turned on that allows you uh, to work with any Squarespace template and allow sales for both physical T-shirts, albums, all that, you know, CDs, whatever, and digital goods. For example, you could sell music CDs or MP3s. You could sell hardcover books or eBooks. So you can mix and match digital and physical goods in one store. And uh, they, you know, on top of all this, they give your website users the best mobile experience. For example, they've developed templates with what we call or what the people in design world call responsive designs, which means your site automatically restructures itself to look good on any device, whether it be a smartphone, a tablet, or a computer. So it goes on and on. Squarespace integrates all your website needs into one platform, your domains, the design, the development, the commerce, 
hosting plus 24/7 support on all on top of all that. So, if you'd like to get a free trial of squarespace.com, you can sign up. You don't need a, a credit card. Uh, get a free account, just sign up, try it out, start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code TWIP7. That's TWIP7 and you'll get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. This includes monthly and annual plans. And don't forget about the free domain registrations for annual plan customer subscriptions. Once again, that's squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP7. Squarespace has everything you need to create an exceptional website in just a few hours. Okay, it's time for some listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Question number one is from Joe. And Joe wants to know, Okay, when choosing between a or when when having a limited budget, basically I'm paraphrasing his question. When you have a limited budget and you have to choose between a small DSLR, an entry level like a Rebel, or saving your money up for a couple of months and buying something larger and more substantial, should you save and buy a bigger body or should you just get into photography now and start with something small? Sarah, what do you think? Um, I say get in, get in now and start with something small if that's what you can afford. But don't forget that it's not only the camera, it's the lens is mm. a huge, huge part of photography and, and what you're going to get out of that camera. So if you've got a limited budget, start with, you know, a decent camera, um, like he was saying, like a Rebel and then get a get a or a couple good lenses as well so that you have some some sort of basis to really get started as opposed to you know waiting or i don't know you could do what i do when i got started and sell your car and buy a bunch of stuff so is that I what mean, you did really <laughs> totally up to you on which way you go but um that would be my suggestion if you have the limited budget you don't have money to pull in from other areas depending on how serious you are about it as well i was looking to make it a business whereas other people are are probably looking at it from a different perspective so um that would be my advice that's a good that's a good point business or hobbyist will affect the uh the outcome of that decision don Kamarska, yes. what do you what do you think uh jump in now or save up a bit and buy something better later absolutely jump in now you can't walk into a camera store right now and buy a bad camera at least a digital slr or something similar um i, I like to, to to say you know if you look back in history and think of any of the most emotional or world-changing or very powerful images um that uh, that have been taken in the past few decades they've all been taken on what we consider antiques today you know the, the camera itself doesn't uh, it, it, it's a tool for the photographer, yes. And as long as it, it hits a minimum that allows you to be creative, then that's all you need. And then you can figure out exactly where your creativity is going to take you and decide what lens might uh, might work best for that particular you know uh, genre of photography that you find yourself interested in. Um, the simplest gear, I think, is extremely freeing because, um, you know, Frederick, what's the camera that you're shooting with right now? Uh, my the the camera that's sitting in front of me right now is the Olympus OMD. That's my that's my that's the current object of my desire. <laughs> and it's a small and simple camera. It's a little bit more expensive than some of them out there, but um, the, you don't need to have all the bells and whistles. You don't need to have a sensor that goes to ridiculous ISOs, and you don't need to have an an unheard of uh, frames per second uh, shutter speed. Right. 
none of that stuff really matters for the image that you're trying to take. And and I think photography is often a double-edged sword. And I think we're all guilty of it where, you know, if you're, if you're trying to take a picture um, and you, just, you can't get it for whatever reason – you tell yourself that uh, oh, it's the gear. You know, I need a better camera. My lens wasn't long enough. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the gear is the problem. But then as soon as you take the proper picture, then it's all you. Uh, no, no, no credit to the camera whatsoever. It's all the photographer. And, and I think that, you know, working backwards from that, it's always all the photographer. And you have to work within the limitations of both yourself and your equipment. And it's been said many times by many people that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but uh, 98% of all cameras are better than 98% of all photographers <laughs> or something that. to that effect. Um, <laughs> so just start simple and, and build up and see where you want to go. I love that. I love that. That's that's really really good advice. Mm-hmm. Very good. Perfect. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's move on to our picks of the week real quick. This is the segment where you guys can pick something to recommend to the Twip Army, as long as it is somehow related to photography. It can be anything. Sarah France, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week this week is a software that we've been really really um, involved with lately because we're busy, uh, which is Shoot Cue. And ShootQ is my back end that really manages all of our day-to-day stuff that goes on with our clients. And um, just to give you a feel, uh, basically the ShootQ software allows us to send automated emails to clients, track our leads, um, and keep all of our client information, including uh, book the wedding, have the contract signed digitally online, have the invoice paid online through the site, uh, and then controls our workflow. So it manages my studio manager's time and what she needs to be working on and at what point, uh, and just really keeps that workflow going for the, for the client and for our studio, and also manages what our interns need to be doing when they come in, what things they should be working on. That way, nothing falls through the cracks, nothing forgets to be done. It's a checklist that they have to go through in a certain order um, to maintain kind of balance. And you can always... Is is UQ kind of like base camp, but for wedding photographers? Yes. I've briefly used Basecamp, but the difference between Basecamp and ShootQ is that because ShootQ is so specialized and targeted for photographers, um, it has all of those things and so much more. It's like mm-hmm. all the things you have to kind of customize in Basecamp to make do what you want them to do. And they maybe are, some of them work great and some things are a little not so great. This has everything from tracking your sales to letting you know when invoices are coming in. Like all of our taxes information come from it. It, it is really our whole source of, of managing our studio from beginning to end Jeez. and all everything in the middle. Um, and I, I take it for granted at times and I forget to like, you know, tell people about it because I assume everyone knows about it at this point, but it is really a fantastic, fantastic platform. And I don't know what we would do without it. So I was just reworking some of our workflows this week and remembering how powerful and amazing it is that we even have it. So I just thought I'd give you guys a shout out. If you haven't heard of ShootQ, you haven't checked it out. It's actually, I've heard a couple people talk about in the beginning, it's very complex because it's so involved in your business that you have to 
figure out what your workflow is as a studio and be in order to be able to put it into shoot queue. So, um, with that said, a lot of people have a hard time getting it started because it's a lot of work in the beginning, mostly because people generally have like an idea of what they do, but when they have to write it down and put timeframes on everything, it just takes a lot of energy, um, initially, but man, after that, it's just such a powerful tool to have in your business. And they've made it so that there's a marketplace where you can go and you can get templates that'll get you started in your workflow, at least give you an idea of what other photographers are doing um, and allow you to kind of have a base point to start from. And then you can just add in your own little things here and there, which is is great. So that's the way that they've kind of answered the photographer's need for getting it up and running quickly. So I'd say, you know, it's the middle of a wedding season. It's probably a tough time to do it, but if you can really hunker down for a week and really sort some things out, it can be a really powerful tool for your business. Love it. Shoot cue. Perfect. I'm going to definitely, mm-hmm. I've checked them out before. In fact, I've interviewed the, uh, the founder of shoot cue on the site before. Uh, I think it might be time to interview them again. Cause this was like years ago when I spoke to them. Cool. All right, Don Komarechka, what is your pick of the week? And long as it's nothing Windows related. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I did uh, see. <laughs> so I, I had to buy a new laptop recently. Yes. And uh, you know, in the market for new technology, I'm always trying to be on the cutting edge and that kind of stuff. And um, I know that uh, Apple had recently uh, released its new uh, MacBooks, and I was looking at those and thinking, well, they're great, but I'm I'm a Windows guy. I'm a PC, and and so I wanted to try and find something similar. And it was really hard to find anything that uh, that would even come close. So I ended up having uh, to. I, I found a website. Uh, a, sorry, a laptop from Asus. And it was only available in Best Buy US. It's not available anywhere else. It's not on their websites, nowhere. Uh, And with all of my searching, I only found this one that hit the requirements that I needed. I needed to have upgradable memory, uh, 16 gigabytes or so. All the other laptops in the class were less. Uh, I wanted a touchscreen, you know, using Windows 8. Touchscreens are great for that. And so I ended up having to drive to the United States and back to buy a laptop. Uh, to you upstate had to make New a York. run for the border to get I a laptop. Had to make a run for the border <laughs> to get this laptop. And I got to say, this thing is wonderful. Um, I have put a, a solid state disk inside of it to make it even a little bit faster. And um, I've upgraded the memory. So it's now the perfect laptop that I could ever imagine. And it, you know, it probably cost on par to what a, a similarly spec MacBook would be. The touchscreen is a real advantage. Uh, I'm running windows uh, 8.1 preview on it and it's just it's it's a beautiful thing um, i'm totally wondering when that's going to happen on the mac side because it's like like with all the all the touch devices that apple puts out i i find myself like even right now earlier i'm sitting in front of a cinema display and i was actually touching the screen <laughs> to make something happen so my brain is being rewired to think as you know when you see something on a screen you should be able to touch it and when and, am I gonna and be you able will to do be that? able to yeah, and, and so that's coming out on PCs right now. Uh, I, I'm assuming that Apple will... Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that they're not ahead of the curve on that particular one, but uh, yeah. They th- always this... wait, and they let others... They let the settlers take the arrows, and then they move in. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, The new laptops are even better on battery life. Uh, the new Haswell series Intel processors, for those geeky out there, uh, are now hitting the markets. And uh, I, I could use this thing for eight hours, doing heavy number crunching, and it's not going to sweat. 
uh, well, I, at that point, it's going to die. But, you know, I get a whole day of use out of this laptop uh, with no problems whatsoever. So I'm, I'm happy with it. There's a link in the show notes there to it. Very cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Okay. Um, so quickly, my pick of the week is... I guess it's somehow related to photography because if you manage your day and you're a photographer, then it's related. Um, but this, I'm in the middle of this Audible book right now, um, which I probably have mentioned before in the um, in the uh, ad spot for Audible. But my pick is this, this book called Manage Your Day-to-Day. And we'll link to it, obviously, in the, the notes for this. But it's called Manage Your Day-to-Day. And it's... It's one of those life-changing books that makes you smack yourself in the head about how much time you're wasting spinning your wheels on email and like they in the beginning of the book they basically uh described me. You know, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so they they rescri- they described my day. They're like, "Okay, you wake up around this time, you reach over, you grab your iPhone, you go through it, you pick off any emails that you feel like you need to answer. You might even answer them then. And you get up and you go do this and you go do that. And you spend your day in meetings and you, you know, you don't eat, blah, 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 blah. You know, so they were basically rattling off whom they're me. And I thought I was unique, but apparently there are millions of me's out there. And they go on to explain how you can... Um, put patterns in place in your day or, or repeating things that you do every day to get your brain around and uh, around the things that you have to do and work towards in order to be successful. So it's kind of like a, okay, put yourself on a schedule and stick to the schedule, but this schedule is not for other people. It's for you and for the benefit of yourself. So it's a, it's a really good audible book. And it's, you know, one of the the key features that I look for in Audible books is the narrator or the narration. And because if it's great content, but you cannot stand the fingernails on a chalkboard voice of some people, then you can't get through the book. This one is the opposite. So you can, it's, a, it's pleasant to listen to and it has great content. So, definitely. so do you suggest it as an Audible book or as a paperback? Have you seen any advantages to having the paperback? What is this paper stuff of which you speak? I, don't <laughs> I was just curious. I don't there know what this paper stuff when is. When the plane takes off to when they reach a level where I can open my iPad. I get very yes. frustrated during that time. I do have paper books. I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> this one I got as an audible book because specifically for these kinds of books, I like to listen to them when I'm, in the, when I'm in the car. I don't know. For some reason, my brain is in this place where it wants to absorb this kind of information. So it's either this or Stephen King. I don't know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I would I would recommend this one, you know, just as an audible book. But I haven't read the paper. I don't even know if it comes in paper. But um I, I found it in paper or in uh, Audible. Perfect. But definitely check it out. And you know what I did? Um, and this is not because Audible is a sponsor of the show, but I've been ha- for some reason I've been having issues with the with the music player in my iPhone and auto in audiobooks. It's been like like I'd listen to an audiobook and it's like maybe a seven to ten hour book, and I'm like three hours into it, and I'm listening, then I I. I pause it, get out of the car, get back in the car, and it starts all over again at the beginning. So I'm like, <laughs> which is not good when you're, for a song, it's okay, but for a multi-hour piece of content, it doesn't work. So I downloaded the Audible app and problem solved. So now I can download my content specifically directly, I get it directly from Audible into the Audible app, and this is not because they're a sponsor, this actually solved a real-world problem for me. 
Um, and now I can listen and it remembers the bookmarks and syncs the bookmarks across all my other devices that have the app installed on them. So, and I've just bought a copy of that book. You did? I did too. (laughs) Just now or before? Just just now now. as you were talking about it. Of course. (laughs) You're going to love it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Cool. All right, guys, we're at the end of the show. Uh, for the, the diehard listeners, you want to hear a special interview that I did with one of the guys behind a, uh, a company called IM, E-Y-E-E-M.com, Severin Matusek, uh, Matusek, Severin Matusek of IM. He's the, uh, one of the guys behind that company, and they're essentially kind of like an Instagram uh, company that uh, they have an amazing app, but their claim to fame is they have an amazing community ab- around what they're doing, and it's a slightly shifted to the left community of professionals. It feels like in there, so I see a lot of my professional friends kind of showing up in IM and sharing their work, whereas they probably wouldn't share the same work that you see on something like Instagram. So. It's a really interesting, interesting conversation about why they built the company, where it's going, and um, who's using it. So definitely check that out at the end of the show. All right. Uh, speaking of the end of the show, we're at the end. Sarah France, where can people go to stay connected with you? Um, you can always find me at sarahfrance.com. sarahfrance.com. All roads lead to sarahfrance.com. Those places are a great place to find me. <laughs> and Don Komarichka, where are you at online? Uh, well, uh, doncom.ca is probably where you'll find all of where I'm connected to. But I'm most active online on Google+. So look me up there. Uh, I usually post just about once a day. And you have like, what, 750 million followers on Google+, right now? 750,000, but okay. yeah. <laughs> Still, you have almost a million followers on Google+. And it's growing. It's a wonderful community. You know, Google Plus is one of the best places online for a photographer to be. Uh, and I'm just loving it there. So if you want to find me, that's where to go. I love that. I love that. And, you know, and I love how, how numbers speak because, you know, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. The people that are following you. So your work is your work is amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. All right, guys, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com and Please join our small paltry compared to Don Komarechka's community on Google+. <laughs> join the TWIP community over there. We're, we're small, but we are feisty on, uh, on Google+. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. I'm sitting down virtually with Mr. Severin Matusek. He's the head of content and community over at a company called IM, and we're going we're gonna to talk about who they are and what they do in a second, but it's, uh, it's, it, this will be an interesting discussion considering the movements that have been happening in the, the mobile photography space. And Severin is, and his company are sitting right at the middle of it. So Severin, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Frederick. Hi. Very, very happy to be there. Oh, Thanks. no. Thank you. Thank you. So let's let's start off. So I am E-Y-E dot E-M is the name of the company and the URL. So tell me tell me about the company and and what the genesis of it was, why you guys built it. Yes. Um, so basically, I am exists for about three years. Um, we're based out of Berlin, and um, it's a photo sharing and discovery app uh, for iPhone and Android. It's for free. You can download it in the App Store and on Google Play. And um, it's basically about photo sharing and mobile photography. So when we started the app, basically the story was like about three years ago, you know, there was no Instagram, no Hipstamatic and no read app for, for sharing photos actually from your mobile. Mm-hmm. And But we realized there was this small community of people who enjoyed mobile photography that was, you know, shortly after the iPhone 3 came out and had a decent camera. So there was this initial movement there and we started actually creating a, so, a small blog and, and saying we want to make an exhibition in Berlin with only mobile photography and it was one of the first exhibitions and we got a lot of pictures and we found like there's a small community all over the world and that's how it started. We had an exhibition in Berlin back in 2010 and then an exhibition in New York and then actually the thought about making an app out of that came up and so we started working on that and in August 2011, we released our first version of the app that was about two years ago. And since then, we have basically grown into a worldwide community of people. We're basically in 150 different countries, and uh, there's people hosting IAM meetups all around the world. We have IAM ambassadors in 66 different cities. And it became really a worldwide community of people enjoying capturing moments and and sharing beautiful photography and that's where we are right now and it's still a a very nice adventure and uh, very exciting to be in this space that's really cool that's really cool so then so then looking at it from the standpoint of of competitive or competition oh and by the way i i misspoke earlier i said the url is eye.em it's actually eyeem.com correct exactly yeah okay just want to make sure we get that right okay so then so speaking specifically about competition and looking at the competitive landscape like you mentioned you know hipstamatic and then of course there's instagram out there is what you know, and I I think I I know the answer to this based on what you just mm. said. Community. So mm. the differences between the two. So why would someone's in the in an app store and they're you know looking for some kind of app to share with you know share their photos while on the go? What would draw them to IM over one of the other other competitive services? Well, the main like one of the main differences you will see in the beginning is that compared to Instagram, for example, we have free format, so we don't restrict our photography to square format. Oh, but okay. it's in all it's in, you can upload panoramas that are as wide as possible and and landscape shots and portrait shots and so basically we we're open to all kinds of photographic formats which a lot of people enjoy and which might be the main thing you will notice once you start you know trying the app for the first time. And uh, the second thing is we do have a different upload process and categorization process of our photos. So basically what we do, it's not about hashtagging photos. So, you know, when you go to other services, you have like these millions of hashtags Mm -hmm. that go in all different channels because people want their photo to be as popular as possible. But what we do, basically, when you upload a photo... We tell you this is the location where you're at. So you might be at the you know, museum in San Francisco or a coffee shop and so on. And based on that location, we give you suggestions of what you might be doing there, like having a coffee or watching artworks and so on. 
So we give you some tagging suggestions and then your photo is tagged with these tags. And the next step, you're going to discover other photos taken at that location and taken with that tag, which is very interesting because suddenly you see, oh, there's have been like 25 different people at this coffee shop. Yep. Let's see what they're up to. Or there's other people who are interested in contemporary art. Let's check them out. And through that system, we're able to you know, to basically provide you with a stream of photos that's tailor-made for your interest. So, for example, we have a very big street photography community on IM, which posts to the album Street Photography. There's like 80,000 photos in there and uh, thousands of photos added every day because people who enjoy street photography gather around these albums. And we have black and white and we have portrait and we have landscape and we have, you know, all kinds of stuff. And basically, we connect people through these albums and we create little sub-communities on IM where people can actually, you know, without already knowing each other, discover other people's photos and enjoy the stuff that they actually like. Yeah. So that's the vision behind IM, to really connect people from the photos they take, and which goes beyond your social feed. Yeah, and I was I was when when I'm playing with the app, I love the way that it's is like natural language because you could be. I think I was in Santa Barbara or something, um, mm -hmm. and I was at a restaurant down there, and I I took an IM photo, and it it suggested you know Frederick is having breakfast at this you know yeah exactly That's which is kind of cool. It's like okay yeah, and then it highlighted you know the the individual keywords in there of where I was. So I just had to either make sure that it was correct or edit it and, and then away we go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly how it works. And I mean, for the user, it should be as simple as possible. You know, so the, the main idea when we actually started the system was we don't need hashtags anymore because your phone knows where you are and what you might be doing there, like having breakfast at this cafe. So for the user, it should be as simple as possible. And ideally, with three taps, you have your photo tagged and you don't need to enter anything. And it's completely uploaded and categorized with the stuff that's actually related to that. So that's for the user. But, you know, the bigger vision behind that is that if you think, and maybe that goes into, your, you know, into a bigger discussion, is with the millions or even billions of photos being uploaded and shared every day, how do you find the ones that are really, you know, relevant to you? And that's basically our vision behind that, behind categorizing these photos automatically, that out of these billions of photos, you're going to find the photos that are interesting to you because we filter them out for you. Yeah. And that's the vision behind IM, and that's how we want to basically provide you the best experience in mobile photo sharing. Now, now Severin, um, a, a while ago, a couple of months ago, Instagram came under fire for their terms of service, you know, and they yes. had to regroup and then come back and say, we didn't really mean that we could use your photos whenever we wanted to, <laughs> you know, yeah. and all this stuff. So talk to me about how, how does IM compare or your terms of service compare to Instagrams? Because, you know, when, when people hear this, the first thing they're going to do is go look at your terms of service and say, yeah. you know, so what, what, what's, the, uh, what's the comparison there? Well, they're totally different. So we don't take any user's rights and we don't do anything with the content that's uploaded to our service without the user's consent. So that was beginning, uh, that was clear from the very beginning. And actually when Instagram had this whole terms of service um, uh, announcement, we had a lot, a lot of people coming to us because they understood this is different. And we had a lot of photographers and photojournalists joining our service because they're the ones who understand about copyright and what it actually means. And they all came to our service and stayed because they understood uh, our terms of service are different. So we don't take any of the photographers' rights and royalties. And um, 
And that's how it is until today, and that's how it's gonna be until the end of the day. <laughs> that's great. And, that, yeah. That's great. I, and you know, me on behalf of photographers out here, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. So, so also, you know, looking at positioning, there's there's companies out there, like for example, you know, Flickr, of course, and then you look at Flickr for a while had stopped innovating, so uh, companies like Five Hundred Picks came in and innovated crazily and did all this crazy, beautiful UI and all that stuff. And I, in my head, in my layman's head, I kind of look at, I'm looking at the other, you know, the mobile photo sharing apps out there like Instagram, Hipstamatic and so forth as, Mm -hmm. okay, those were those and they're going through their struggles and acquisitions and all this. And then IEM comes on the scene as kind of the new kid that's doing a different, rethinking the space a little bit and and doing some cool fun stuff is that the way you guys kind of see the market yeah i mean that's uh, that's um, nice to hear from your side yeah <laughs> that's actually how we see it i mean it's exactly like this is the space we are in you know there's Flickr, there's 500 pixels there's hipstamatic there's instagram on the more mobile side so we definitely see ourselves in these ranks and uh, and you know Flickr did a good job in releasing their mobile app half a year ago. So they catched up a little bit on the mobile age. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, we see ourselves that, you know, <clears throat> in one or two years' time, we want to be the next Flickr on the mobile platforms because we see, you know, right now there is like millions of people shooting with their iPhones and with the Androids. But in one or two years, a lot of cameras have, you know, DSLRs will be running on Android or will be constantly connected to the internet. So we do see the chance that, you know, that mobile photography is not mobile photography. It's going to be photography, you know, and and we see ourselves there, you know, that, that people use our service to uh, to share their photos and, and we want to be in that place and become the next Flickr or next 500 pixels. That's interesting. So So you're looking towards the future of... So right now we're at a point, like you're saying, where smartphones are the primary means by which people are getting images into the into the service. But mm-hmm. in the future, as more and more devices become internet connected, you guys will become a platform for all that stuff. Is that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we there. You know, half a year there was the Samsung Galaxy camera with an Android system, <clears throat> and there's there's other cameras. I mean. You know, rumors say Canon is working on one, Nikon is working on one. We definitely see the future there, you know. So, of course, there will always be a difference between a small handheld iPhone camera and, like, a super expensive, huge DSLR. But I think the need for people to share their shots as they take them or on the go, you know, to get immediate feedback is going to become more and more because people are getting used to that to share the moments as they go and not take their SD card home on their computer, select shots and so on, at least for some shots. So we definitely see, you know, the the amount of photos being shared online is going to increase dramatically in the next one or two years. And it is quite high already. So we definitely see that this is the future, you know, that most photographs being taken will also be shared online. And there's the need for service that that does this in a proper way with fair terms of use and with a, with a nice system and UI and and that's where we want to be. So I think that's that's going to be the future. Love it, love it. Okay, so so final question here. Um, speaking of the future, or actually, this is the present now. 
Instagram, or actually first it was Vine, right? They came out with video, or yeah. that's, the whole service was based on video. Um, and Instagram recently added the capability to do short video clips, 15 seconds or less, um, within intermixed with your photography in your feed. Is that is that the the next step for IM, or to the extent that you can tell me about it? Um, well, I can't say if in a year or two we'll have video or not, so I can't uh, promise that or not. But I can say that for now we'll stay true to photography as a still image, so we don't have any uh, future, you know, for the near future to implement video. I think uh, I think video, for example, on Instagram works brilliantly, and because it's all about sharing a moment and and doing that. Um, but we're gonna stay, you know, true to the still photograph for now and um, and we're going to see that we you know we make basically our future plans will be to make the best experience for sharing photographs um yeah but as said before i think you know communication as a whole is going to be more and more visual and video is one part of it and photo photography is one part another part of it and photo and voice is another part of it so there's going to be new apps for sure that going to do that um but for now, we'll, we'll they basically stay true to the still photograph. Love it, love it. Well, congratulations on the on the successes that that you guys you guys have had so far. It's a it's a great app and definitely has a place on my iPhone. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm very so, happy to hear that. Yeah, and to the listeners, definitely check out the IM blog. Um, you guys have got tons of stuff that's going on there. They've got. Um, events, um, the, the ambassadors that are sort of fanning out across the globe, spreading the good word of IM, and you can learn all about the app, or just head over to the App Store and, and download the thing either on the, uh, the iTunes Store, Google Play, or the Windows Marketplace, so definitely check it out. So Severin, thank you for taking the time today, and uh, any, any parting shots that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, um, I'd love everyone to join our community. Um, <laughs> download the app. Um, let me know if 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 there's if you have any questions. We're always happy to to talk and get feedback and and work together with our people and and host meetups and you know, we also see ourselves as a worldwide community, just passionate about photography. So if you share that interest, you're very welcome to join us. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Thanks.